Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. Good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday matinee. How are you guys? Good. Yeah. We're Tired. Waking up. <laughs> Real tired. So, uh, yeah, you were. Were you up all night, JJ? Yes, Is that what I you was. Were saying? I'm ready to go to sleep. Are you gearing up for a for a uh, a job that's like a you're working nights? No, I, I told Steve this story, but uh, yeah, no, it's the opposite. I um 
I got back from a, a conference in Vancouver, British Columbia on Thursday night late, and then I had a bunch of anxiety going back to work on Friday. I had a bunch of things that I needed to do. I had calls to Sweden and all these things. So I had so I had a sleep apnea attack, woke up screaming and couldn't get back to sleep. So I then powered through my day on Friday and promptly came home and went to sleep when I got home from work on Friday. So I slept from 4 to 11. See, this is like wow. rolling into our Saturday here, right? So I slept from 4 to 11, <laughs> woke up and decided, hey, I'll drive some Uber and Lyft tonight. So I went and did that, drove Uber, and then at 3 o'clock in the morning, somebody threw up in my car for the first time ever. It was Chris. Oh, wow. Got my Uber puker <laughs> down. We'll see how that goes. Had to send off some pictures and... Do they, do they give you a little like to, badge or sticker to put, you know, no, that'd be great. <laughs> like on that'd your profile, puke survivor or something like that? <laughs> no, that'd be so awesome, though, if you win like the, the, the vomit badge. It, uh, you know, no, I don't think so. Achievement I'm unlocked. My, level one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> my, it's like, you know, Cub Scouts. It's like, you know, Uber Scouts. Right. You get your new badge. Yeah. No, I think I, I think there's like a $250 inconvenience fee, but yeah. uh, we'll see. I'm, I'm hoping they take care of it. If not, I'm going to be none so happy with uber but yeah so i did that and then i got home and i finished i finished the shining because that's been on my list and i have to return it to the library so that's why i've and i've been chatting with people in our discord about my you know walking in and out of the room and going to get drinks and chips and snacks while i try to keep myself from not being scared (laughs) while i watch the shining but so i finished that and then uh then i saw you guys were on so i'm gonna do this and then i'm gonna go to bed now, what was the other? You you had rented two movies, two horror movies. Get Out. Oh, Get Out. Have you watched that one yet? I haven't. I um, yeah, I'll get to it. That that I'm, and I'm actually <laughs> a little more excited about that, you know, because it's more current. But um, but yeah, no, I'll, I'm I'm nervous about that one too. Oh well, it's exciting. It's exciting. Well, I finally caught up on Deadpool too. Ah, what did you think? Weeks, but I had a great time with it. I just love that it's so meta. Like they they play so yeah. much with the idea that they are very aware of themselves and aware that it's a movie and all of the opening with with you know his resentment of logan and everything <laughs> <laughs> it's just like yes it was so, so great. great yeah um I, I i had such a great time with it i loved the characters i i thought they um boosted it up story-wise from the first one you know i just really i had just a, a fantastic time with it my only my only frustration with it and it has nothing to do with the film itself it's it's with the just the idiotic parents who bring young kids. Oh, yes. seriously? What is that it, it, about? I there was a dad who had three kids who were all probably under seven years old. No, no. and another oh. dad, another dad who had his son who was probably about nine. Oh and my gosh! It's just, oh, wow. I, you know, I, you know, there's bad parenting and all of that, but it it literally makes me uncomfortable yeah. when I watch a movie and I have these little kids in there knowing that they're seeing these things on screen. It's like, and it's hard for me to get out of that headspace. So I, I always resent that because it just makes me feel like I'm enjoying the movie less right. because they're there. That's terrible. Yeah. No, I've seen it twice in the theater now and I've been thankful that there haven't been young kids because there were when I saw the first Deadpool and it just, and I felt like that was okay. Cause that was a little bit like people didn't get it yet. Like this was a new kind of superhero movie. They didn't understand that it was going to be so vile. Uh, yeah. Vulgar. I should say vulgar. Funny, you know, because I love both movies quite a bit. But I haven't had that experience yet with Deadpool 2. And I, yeah. Oof, gosh. Seven? Wow. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's way just, too it, young. I, I was just hoping that maybe they were falling asleep in the back. And not uh, Right. To anything but it's, i mean uh, come on people right i i mean oh. really really this is why we need to have instituted this is what the whole nc-17 rating was really for yeah. and unfortunately yeah. it it completely fell apart because 
they again just thought it was going to be more pornographic types of films and it wasn't and i know uh martin scorsese and spike lee came out uh about it in the late 90s uh, early 2000s is you know asking for a new rating so they could have these movies that were adult only and that's what nc-17 was supposed to be for they said saving private ryan should have been a rating like an nc-17 because kids should not be watching those sorts of films right. and uh scorsese has said that about a number of his own films and what ruined it so capitalism Right, because all of a sudden yeah, it, right. then it became a, a money thing, where where right. movies started yeah. changing their movies so that they could actually get more get more people coming to the movie. So yeah, that's well, really it's, unfortunate. It's interesting because it was really blockbuster that uh, kicked off the whole anti oh, NC seventeen yeah. thing because they said they weren't going to carry them, right? And um, and then that pushed this whole thing backwards, where people then theaters were like, or different chains were like, oh well, we don't want to show it either, yeah. um, because I like. Henry and June, I think, was the first NC-17 yeah, movie, and yeah. I went and saw it in the theater, and it was fine. You know, it wasn't anything um, awful. It was an adult movie, and um, I think that it's one of those things that, um, you know, now that they're, you know, the market's not as driven by, like, a blockbuster type of place, and I feel like NC-17 or that type of rating could be something that Netflix could, could probably... Um, integrate into their system i mean they already have it where you can have different uh you know different controls for different people using it and i feel like it could it could create a space for things like that yeah uh, well i agree so. uh, well i will say though you say blockbuster and that i still hear capitalism <laughs> yeah well yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah in the end yeah so it's, it's i worked at both a blockbuster franchise and a and a blockbuster corporate store when i was younger so i uh had well, a lot of firsthand experience with them well i think in a part of the issue i mean there's a capitalism issue but i think the other issue is just sort of like american sensibilities where no matter how graphic the violence is you know you could look at that and, and people are still like oh well that that's still okay but oh if anything that gets sexual like oh that's completely inappropriate for kids and that's what ended up happening with the nc-17 well, I, I don't know that there were many films that were nc-17 solely for violence it was like oh there's like male frontal nudity or it's really explicit sexual content or you know things of that nature whereas you know it seems like you can keep amping up the violence and everybody is still okay with that and that's the culture of, of America where, yeah, kids can be exposed to violence and that's fine. Parents are okay with, oh, it's just, you know, it's, it's, you know, fake killing. So it's okay for my kids to see that. And the, and the yeah. interesting thing about that is that Deadpool is both. Well, so. yes, that, that one is really both. <laughs> so, so parents yeah. don't take your young kids to Deadpool. That's the message. No. But that oh, that well. becomes meta too. I mean, they make the joke, you know. You th your parents, you think this is not a family film? I mean, they <laughs> right. went all the way with that movie. That's they really about did. Family. It Which it was. It was. It was very funny that it's they good. said that in in a film that still was completely inappropriate to bring your family to. Right. Oh man. Yeah. Well, Steve, how, have you had uh, much of a chance to catch up with anything this week? Just got out last night and saw Hotel Artemis. Uh, how was that one? That looked like a really interesting. Uh, Film from the trailer, but I wasn't sure if it was going to be much of a success or not. What do you think? It's going to find its audience on like streaming and, and you know, video, you know, online. Uh, I don't think it's going to have a really solid performance out there. It's it it is a film that has a list actors in sort of what is typically like your B grade, you know, genre film. 
it, it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, the whole concept is, and I guess the script was out there before the John Wick movies, but it sort of fit, feels like it fits into that type of universe where you've got a, a hospital for criminals and, you know, there's all these rules and they have to have a membership to get into Hotel Artemis. Uh, so interesting characters. So you you have this environment where you've got interesting people that are there, uh, not as much action, a lot more about character. So it feels like that small, it reminded me a lot of uh, Cube. If you guys ever saw sure, that one, yep. yeah, like where it's like, yeah, so it's a lot of characters, a lot of talking, uh, you know, not heavy on the action constrained environment. You know, you're in a very small space. So it, it works well within that. It's not doing anything, uh, you know, terrific where I'd be like, wow, this is really breaking new ground, doing something new. But it's it's fun. It, you know, some some interesting little twists and some some clever uh moments with a 3D printer. Uh yeah, I enjoyed it. it you know, like a three star film. Uh nothing that I say you have to go out and see. Uh there's plenty of other stuff coming rolling out all summer, but I had a good time with it. But uh, you know, it it knows what it is and it, it does that well. Uh Dave Dave Batista is a lot of fun. And this is the the orderly of the hotel. And you've got I mean you've got Jody Foster, Jeff Goldblum, all these names. And it's just like, wow, this is like a big, big name cast for a film that I don't think typically would attract that type of cast. This is something where I'd expect a lot of like mid-range or no-name actors and something that would typically be straight to video. But I think because there was a perception of it's sort of this John Wick universe that it might connect with audiences a little bit more. Uh, but it, it doesn't have anywhere near that level of, of action or stylized you know, fighting in it. It's just really, you know, small group of people fighting off a bunch of, you know, maniacs that want to want to come in at one point. But uh, yeah, I had a good time with it. Well, it seems like one maybe I'll check out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, maybe yeah. I'll wait till I can rent it later. Well, should we uh, should we kick off trailers, fellas? Yeah. Yeah. We, do we we don't have any Red Band or A24 this week. I guess uh, we'll have to go with who uh, the order we posted it. So with that, Steve, uh, why don't you uh, kick? OK, off? The, my God, it was like trailer mania this week it was yeah. like i listened to you guys last week it was like you guys were like scraping the bottom of the barrel trailers because it was like <laughs> everybody was waiting for this week to, to come out so i have a film that is about seven strangers each with a secret to bury they meet at lake tahoe's el royale a rundown hotel with a dark past it's tahoe cool and over the course of one fateful night everyone will have a a last shot at redemption. And we've got Dakota Johnson, John Hamm, Nick Offerman, Jeff Bridges, Chris Hemsworth, and a film written and directed by Drew Goddard, who I, I really enjoyed his uh, cabin in the woods. It did some really fun things with the horror film genre and tropes. This one has a very sort of noirish feel to it. Possibly some little twisty mind bender things going on. People aren't whom they seem. You typically wouldn't cast Jeff Bridges as like a priest. So uh, interesting uh, film. This is one. Of, I love movies like this where you've just got an eclectic group of characters coming together, looking at how they're going to interact, who's playing whom and for what reasons. And then you've got the staff of the hotel and what they may or may not know about 
the people coming and staying there or the history of the place itself. So this is one that to me is that perfect summer counter programming to the big blockbusters with lots of CGI and action and fun, which is, is great to have out there. Uh, but this is something that's a little bit more, I guess, introspective on this one. And it is coming out, I believe, August 8th, I want to say. Let me double check here on this. It has a release date this summer of, oh, sorry, October 5th. So much later. So not summer counter programming. This is the you're cooling off, getting ready for Oscar season. Here's something that is neither summery nor Oscar worthy. Uh, October 5th. <laughs> well, Filling I think it gap. looks really fun. It, it has a great a, a great vibe to it. And uh, you're right. Cabin in the Woods was a really refreshing uh, kind of twist on on horror films. And, uh, and this, just the story, everything about this just has like a really interesting vibe. Like there's a lot going on here and the characters certainly kind of drive the, uh, trailer. And, uh, I'm certainly looking forward to this one. It did pique my curiosity though. I found it so interesting that, uh, uh, you know, there's this hotel that's like basically built on the border between California and Nevada. And it made me wonder how, often this is a thing like how often are there places that that straddle borders i feel like i know of one that's in um oh, i don't know if it's it's somewhere down like alabama and uh, i don't know uh if it's um which direction from alabama it is but there's something along its border that um it's like two bars or something that they're across the border from each other and they do like an annual thing where they like throw fish at each other or something like I guess <laughs> some fish thing <laughs> some crazy thing so it's it's funny how how people take you know border stories like this and can and turn it into something that's kind of fun so yeah well and now I, when I was in Tahoe I worked for Heavenly Ski Resort which is famously in the two states um and it's you know the second largest by area ski resort in in the country after Vail um and it's it's always an interesting thing there. I lived in California and I worked in Nevada. So this is, this is really neat that they're doing this sort of thing with the border story because that's, uh, that's a rel a, a relatively regular feeling that the folks up there in Tahoe are uh, dealing with. My curiosity was piqued. So I, I looked it up. There are seven bars where you can drink in two States at the same time. Oh, <laughs> this is so funny that there's a whole website about this. That sounds like a bucket list um, thing to do. Go yeah. to the seven border bars. Yeah, right. There's the Whetstone Station uh, along the river between Vermont and New Hampshire. The the Wabagon, uh, which is uh, it's in Wisconsin, but you can only get to it from Minnesota. It sounds right. <laughs> so you have to, yep. you have to cut it. Uh, there's the State Line Showgirls, which is on the Washington-Idaho border. It's a strip club. Okay. And uh, uh, let's see. There's the uh, Bar 9150 uh, slash Tamarack Lodge uh, Heavenly Mountain Resort. That's this the is, one. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. This is up in uh, Tahoe. Patrick's Pub and Grill is uh, Tennessee and Georgia. Uh, Cal, uh, Cal, Cal Neva Hotel, which That's obviously Tahoe is California well. and Nevada. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Florabama Lounge and Package. That's the uh, Florida, Alabama one that I, I bet is the one that I was thinking of that has these. Uh, yeah, the annual mullet toss. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's not hair. It's throwing mullet fish across the state line. So <laughs> there it is. 
fun times on uh, the Saturday matinee, right? <laughs> well, my trailer, <laughs> just move right along. Um, I, of course, I, I'm a big John Carpenter fan. I recently did uh, a marathon and watched all of his films. I know it's probably not up your alley, JJ, but no! um, it's it's the new Halloween film that is coming out this year that David Gordon Green uh, is directing, written by uh, Green, along with Danny McBride, of all people, and Jeff Fradley. Um, it is a uh, it, it's a really interesting uh, next step for the Halloween films because this film is essentially a direct sequel to the first Halloween and is um, kind of dropping the continuity of all of the previous sequels, everything that's gone on between it. This film um, takes up uh, basically decades after the original um, 1978 film and it basically says hey this is a story about Laurie Strode played by Jamie Lee Curtis again um, and uh, and Nick Castle who played Michael Myers and they are um, it's a situation that takes place uh, all these years later where she has been prepping herself for the eventual escape, which she feel, seems to know is coming, of Michael Myers. Um, and, of course, he does escape. And now he is going after her, and she is now a grandma with her own daughter and kids. And now she's kind of the one who's trying to uh, trying to protect everybody. So this is kind of a continuation 40 years later of the original Halloween story. And I love that they're doing that. I love that uh, um, John Carpenter is coming back in to do the music for it. And it just feels like very much a great, uh, continuation, a great way to kind of continue this franchise and, and do something kind of, uh, fun with it. So I'm, I'm quite excited. what do you guys think? Or specifically Steve. Because <laughs> you don't even want to know what I think about it. <laughs> well, I, I, know, I know you didn't watch the trailer, and I know you probably never bothered with any of the movies because they're, uh, they're horror. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you can certainly speak to what you think of the concept. Exactly. Uh, yeah. See, this is, it's been a long time since I've seen any of the Halloween movies. Now, I, I think I only ever watched the first three i never got into the like reboots and all that because i thought no 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 that's i'm not even gonna go there and so it it had been such a long time i had forgotten that the whole uh storyline of michael myers being her, her brother was something that came out in the second movie i thought that was something that was part of the first so knowing that that slate is entirely white plain. And as I recall, the fir in the first movie, it's what he uh, falls out the window and then she looks and then he's gone. And that's where the movie ends. I know the second one picks up like immediately from there, but to then stop there and then say, now we're jumping forward, you know, 40 years. Uh, so interesting because I think it, opens up the potentials for the story so much of what has transpired with with Lori and Michael over those 40 years and then to be hopefully ultimately the final resolution of the story but yeah I'm very excited uh horror is not one of my you know primary genres but to me this is horror but it's got that character piece to it that I think is going to be really interesting to see this story unfold. So I'm really excited about this approach to this franchise. 
I love the concept. And I think, you know, when there's so many people who are uh, complaining about the fact that we're not making, that Hollywood's not making original stories and stuff like that, I, I, I think that something that is, that they're trying to do with these old franchises now is think of new innovative ways to attack these old ideas. And I'm, I'm starting to like it. I'm liking the creative ways of looking at this. I think something like this, like you're talking about with this story, bringing back or, or approaching the Jamie Lee Curtis uh, character from what her story becomes. I think that's a really smart way to look at it. And it re, I guess it brings back some of the magic from the original films when so many people get frustrated with sequels as they go. So, um, again, I'm not going to see it. It looks terrifying. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, it, I, I'm really happy that they're doing this kind of thing with this franchise. Cause I think especially people, uh, people like you who, who care so much about John Carpenter, this is a way to re-engage the fan base as well. Well, and he's been wanting to get back involved. He's always been kind of hoping that there would be good sequels. I mean, he even admits to not having seen all of them because wow. he knows that there's probably a lot of crappy ones out there. Um, but he's just like, you know, I, I think he kind of got involved and wanted to uh, see if he could find a way to help somebody do something good. And so Bloomhouse, uh, which is a great horror uh, uh, distributor production company, um, they uh, they got involved. They got the rights to it. And, um, and and he Carpenter said when he heard the pitch from from a Green and McBride, um, he said they get it. And so I feel like this is um, a, a great way to continue. I'm, I'm still just so surprised by the the, the creative team behind it. Um, but just because, you know, people who know are known for a lot of their comedy are involved doesn't mean that they're not going to be able to handle it. I think that David Gordon Green has been a very competent director and I think he'll do fine. So, well, and we talk anyway. about uh, get out and that's the thing that kind of came yeah. from get out is that there's this, this union of, uh, or union, there's this sort of idea that folks who, who are, are skilled at comedy also have this love and this fascination with horror. So it might be really interesting Absolutely. to see what they bring to this movie too. Looks like it's going to, um, it's, it's, you know, it's Halloween and it's going to be opening around most of the world. Um, just before Halloween between October 18th, and October or and November first, it hits no- Netherlands slightly after. But here in the U.S., it'll be October nineteenth. So there you go. All right, JJ, what is your trailer? Well, I you know I took a list look at the list that we've been talking about about all these trailers that came out, and the one that I saw even before I saw that list, just so much reaction on Facebook and people seeing the trailer for A Star Is Born with uh, Lady Gaga and uh, Bradley Cooper coming out. And I uh, I was captivated uh, by the stuff that I saw with this. I, I don't know that much about the historical versions of this movie. You know, in 76, it was Chris Christopherson and Barbara Streisand. Before that, 1954 with James Mason and Julie Garland. And then the first one that I could find here is uh, 1937, Frederick March and Janet Gaynor. I don't know about that history with that, but uh, just seeing what's coming out with this one, I'm definitely going to want to see the movie. The trailer's really interesting in that it, I mean, the music cues in the trailer are really special. It, it's one of those trailers that you watch and you get emotionally involved with it as you watch it. So I think it was really well done. I love Bradley Cooper. He's directing this movie. Um, Lady Gaga looks great. Um, and I think one of the interesting sort of um, 
things in the trailer. I don't know if this is part of all the movies, but they t- but she makes the point that um, that people don't like the way she looks, even though they like the way she sounds, which I think is super interesting because Lady Gaga has gone through this transformation in her own music career where she was so theatrical at the beginning and she's pared everything down. Her most recent album was uh, much more acoustic. She was not using, not wearing, you know, she was wearing more, more plain looking makeup. I think it was called Stephanie, her real name. So now she's playing this character who's doing this thing too. It's, it's a really interesting sort of transformation for her as an artist. And I'm, I'm just excited to see it. I think it looks really interesting, inspiring and beautiful. Um, and, uh, maybe if you guys have seen the other, a star is born, maybe you can warn me a little bit if there's too much tragedy or, uh, or negativity in it, because I see also in the, uh, in the story notes about this, that it has to do with, uh, Bradley Cooper's character being uh, a bit of um, a star that is actually on his way down as the female character is on her rise up. So, um, yeah, everything in the trailer looks really inspiring and and fun for me. So um, what did you guys think and what do you know about the other movies? I've never seen any of them, um, but it's a series Pete and I have been talking about quite a bit um, and more so now that we know this version is coming out. We think it'd be fun to look at all four versions in a series. Um, I, but I do know that that's kind of what the story is. You know, one, you know, somebody, uh, latches onto this, uh, potential talent and, and her career takes off while his takes a nosedive. I think that's kind of the standard version of the story. So I'm excited to buy this one. I think it looks great. I love the fact that Bradley Cooper is turning to directing now. I think he's a, an incredible talent and I look forward to seeing what he's going to do here. Other people yeah. in the movie too want to let you, yeah. Dave Chappelle's in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, doing a dramatic turn, that's kind of fun. And then also Sam Elliott. I mean, there's a lot of fun people to watch in this movie as well. Yeah, I didn't. Here's the thing. I had heard about this, you know, months ago. And then I just I just forgot about it. So trailer showed up. I was like, OK, let me watch this. And I'm like, oh, OK, Bradley Cooper. Oh, he's directing. OK, I'm I'm excited by this. I mean, he's, uh, I think, a really talented, you know, creative force. And I'm really interested to see what he has, you know, learned from all the directors he's worked with, he's worked with some amazing directors to see what he's picked up and what he's going to bring to this. And then it's like Lady Gaga. I was like, Oh, I did not totally forgot. She was in this. Didn't recognize her. Cause apparently I'm not good with faces, but again, I think, you know, she is, I was actually honestly surprised. She was still sticking with the Lady Gaga name. Cause to me, this seems like the perfect opportunity to take a break from that personality and then be you know, as her sort of her given name, uh, Stephanie, and and go under that name, but she's still maintaining that Lady Gaga. Yeah, uh, I checked. I name. checked IMDb for yeah. it right away too because I yeah. thought, oh, she's going to be Stephanie now. No, but uh, yeah, I think that's uh, it's. This is really interesting. I've I've not seen any of the other ones, but it's interesting that this is sort of like its own franchise that just is continually rebooting itself every every generation <laughs> or so of like let's there's something compelling apparently compelling about this you know archetypical story of you know the the star uh this you know what is that that process and i think it's interesting to revisit that every so often to see how things change in the dynamics and the in the music industry uh but yeah this is uh you know one thing is bradley cooper starting to look old i thought oh gosh (laughs) i I remember first (laughs) first discovering him on 
uh, as I recall, Andy, you never watched Alias. I think you and Pete had a discussion about that, but you know, way back in the, what was that? 2000, 2001, uh, seeing him start on that, you know, JJ Abrams TV show and to look at his career trajectory is just amazing. But I, I, I see it in his face now. Uh, yeah, he's, he's matured. He's, uh, yeah, growing older and I think has, you know, that, that life experience to, I think, bring something to tell to this story. So I'm, I'm very, uh, excited about this. I think it's a, a nice, uh, story to tell. And I hope movies like this continue to draw audiences because I think these are the films that often get pushed out by the, the bigger, noisier films. But I, I think something character driven like this can be just so rewarding when done really well. In theaters, also in October, it's going to come out. Uh, what I saw was October fifth, so um, should be a good one to get out there and see. Uh, Quite a load yeah. of October trailers today. Yeah, yeah. I'll hit. Yep. Yeah. All right, gentle. With that, I think we should do our lists. As uh, as our Patreon supporters know, uh, we posted our list options um, over on Discord, and the options for this week uh, that we had presented everybody were um and this is all based on the the oceans 11 uh remake steven soderbergh's 2001 film um the list options were remakes movies that take place in las vegas or movies with great team building and the um the one that was chosen was uh movies with great team building so that's what we're going to be uh, talking about today so with that gents uh who wants to kick it off I'll do it. I think I think JJ should go. He he hasn't been okay. here in a while, so let let him. Especially because I don't want to you guys to start the list and then realize that some semantic reason I actually chose something that was not appropriate for this list, which I feel like I do every time <laughs> I'm on this show. So, like like uh, in the in the great grand tradition of of Bill Clinton saying it depends on the, what the definition of is is. Um, I wonder what you mean by great team building. Does that mean <laughs> a lot of team building, or does that that mean it's a good example of team building or does that mean uh, anyway so here's where i'm starting so uh pitch perfect 2 not the first movie which i think actually had some team building in it too but there's a montage in pitch perfect 2 where uh our favorite uh bellas the singers are getting back together to go and sing again and they get together and they do a bunch of you know sort of like uh, basic training type things all while doing a mashup of some crazy different acapella songs and in the ways that they force them to sing back and forth. It's not particularly uh, uh, special or emotional like some of the other stuff that you may like if you like the Pitch Perfect movies, which I do, but it uh, represents team building and it's a full montage of it, which, you know, I guess fits in every campy comedy like the Pitch Perfect series. So that's where I start. And you can find that entire, entire montage available on YouTube, Pitch Perfect 2. I haven't seen that one. I've only seen the first film. Oh, this, I need to catch up on that franchise. That second one's all right. Yeah. yeah. And the third is, you know, diminishing returns, but uh, but they're yeah. all pretty good. I just, uh, mostly I love that Elizabeth Banks has been <laughs> yeah. uh, directing. Uh, you know, I just love to see oh, she's yeah. taking the helm of that franchise. They're her movies. And she, she takes yeah. a lot. I mean, she takes a lot of pride in them, which is totally appropriate. So they have, in, in Pitch Perfect 2, there is a cable camp shot. And uh, if you listen to this is now I've been told this by the cable cam guys that uh, if you go and you listen to the um, the commentary on the DVD, she's so this is kind of the thing that I that I really appreciate about her influence on the movie is she's so appreciative of the film and the work that she did to put those films together that when the cable cam shot comes up and it's just this wide shot that comes from the back 
of the of the ex- exterior auditorium as they're coming up on on one of the bands or one of the acapella groups singing. She's saying, "That's my shot. That's my cable cam. That's my thing." And so it's just it's really kind of neat to get that thing from the people who are so involved with movie making these movies that they care so much about the different resources they're bringing to the table too. So I I, I really like that, and that's all on Pitch Perfect two on the DVD too. All right, Steve. Why don't you go second? Okay, I, I guess we're gonna have we're gonna have a trend here about getting the band together because I'm going with 1991's uh, Alan Parker film, The Commitments, which is about uh, you know getting a you know Irish soul band together in the the early 90s, and this hit like I think it was like my junior year in college, and musically to ha- you know being on the verge of like the whole like grunge thing about to happen and to have a movie focused on, you know, just going back to musical roots and seeing this group of, you know, like Irish teens digging into some just great music and some great performances. And just, you know, this, it's been a long time since I've seen this, but this was a soundtrack that I think I probably wore out the CD on this thing. Just such great music, great story. Uh, you know, for me, Alan Parker, just one of he was a director that I always knew I could expect certain level of excellence and just enjoyability out of uh, films from him for a certain period of time. And this was one that uh, as I sat and thought about putting a team together, I thought, yeah, this is something I I really want to go back and revisit. And uh, so I thought I'd share this with everybody because I, I hope it's a film that hasn't been forgotten. Uh, so I want to bring this back, sort of dust it off the shelves and put it out there and say, hey, maybe go back and revisit this one. Oh, I'm glad you picked that one. I love that movie. Um, I, for some reason, the the thing that always sticks with me isn't even music related. It's all the the uh, bathtub interviews that that our lead <laughs> does with himself as he's imagining yes. his fame down the road. You know, I just I just always loved those bits. Yeah, so, such a great film, and that's one I really need to go back and and rewatch because I just loved it back when it came out, and I had I don't think I've seen it since. So I, I definitely need to. Uh, look that one up. That's again. one of the ones that everybody had the soundtrack to. Yes, it's yes, such absolutely. the music is so good that everybody had to have it. It was it was. I remember seeing that you know CD in everyone's cases. It was great. Well, I I do think that we ended up with a strange trend to kick off our list. Okay, um, okay. not only is uh, mine a uh, band, but it's also an Irish band. So what are the odds of that, Steve? Oh no, um, I'm going. <laughs> I'm going with a, a much more recent film, um, but one I completely uh, fell in love with when I watched it. It is just the absolutely fantastic 2016 John Carney film, Sing Street. Oh, yes. Yep. Yes. A great coming-of-age film, and uh, you know it's about this boy who starts his band to impress a girl. And I mean, <laughs> what more do you need? Not only that, but you have the fantastic bit where, um, you know, as he's trying to figure out what to do, you know, he, uh, uh, Connor says, uh, you know, we need to form a band and he's got that line and then he makes the best face as like, you know, it's like almost, almost a meta reference to, you know, making that sort of line in a movie before the montage kicks in. Um, it was just hilarious. And then of course he goes off to find, um, you know, all of his little friends to help out his, um, his outcasts, um, the other school weirdos and stuff um so such a great film and an absolutely great uh, bit of team building here so that's my first pick 
Such so, a good pick. So, that so, movie, oh, yeah. everybody should see that movie. There's, it's just, it's so great. I mean, it, it really. I, is. I've seen it so many times, and I never caught it, you know, in the theater or whatever. But it's one of those that's such a hidden gem that if you don't know this movie, when you hear someone say Sing Street, you should go see it because I, I can't imagine why anyone would dislike that movie. Oh, and my kids, right. my kids love this movie, and it's a great like nostalgia trip for me because it's set in that '80s, and so you've got. You know, the musical influences that they're drawing from, whether it's like Hollow Notes or Duran Duran and just that. I mean, I was at the that cure, age, the, the cure, jam. oh, all that stuff. And then to be able to sit down and enjoy this <clears throat> with my kids to sort of expose them to, you know, music that they probably <clears throat> music they heard in the house growing up and to see this package you know, in this film together as a story that they can really identify as teenagers. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Such a, a great, perfect film to sit down with a, a, for family movie night. Everybody is going to love it. John Carney is just like on a roll. I just so much enjoy everything he does to, on the screen. All right, JJ, okay. what's next for you? Next, okay. So uh, uh, this is going to be really weird if we end up changing themes as we go too. but okay. my second movie here is major league the original major league because you know and we talk about team building it's tough to think about this but really the whole concept of the major league movie is bringing a whole bunch of uh, kind of a, a ragged band of 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 miscreants together and them turning out to become the team that bonds together and sticks with each other to get and you know win the championship. So it's a it's a whole long process of this team building where you have, you know, Wild Thing with Charlie Sheen and and Wesley Snipes and 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 Tom Berenger and all these different people with different maladies and different different quirks and whatnot. And there's just great moments of team building throughout the movie where these people bond over the things that they do wrong and the things that they do right. And they end up uh, loving each other and being successful together as a group. So, um, yeah, I think most of the people that are at our age have probably seen Major League. Um, it's, you know, that old sort of raunchy comedy as well. Um, I think it's a fantastic movie. I think you guys have actually done it for the next reel, for the main show, haven't you? We did back in one of our baseball series yeah. when we were doing that. Yeah, I think so. it's one of the better baseball comedies that are out there. You should go see it. Oh, it's a great one. I have so much fun with this one. Ever since uh, I first saw it, I've always loved it. So it's just got a uh, a place in my heart. It's a it's a fun one to watch and rewatch. So and you're right, great team building in this one. That's the thing when you talk <laughs> about team building. It's like first thing is like you've got your get the band together movies, and then it's like oh get the get the group of misfits together uh, in a, in a sports movie, and so. Several of those crossed crossed my mind, but my second pick is going to break that trend. I'm not okay. going with a sports film, but I'm going with a, a different type of team building. And this is a, a movie that I saw, I think I discovered on cable, like on HBO. It must have been in like maybe like eighth grade or something, like or a freshman in high school. And this is one of those movies where it sticks with me because it's not a movie that was like your target audience is not like teenagers. This isn't one of those movies. It was serious adult film telling a huge story. Um, But for me as a young kid being interested in space exploration, uh, the right stuff was just a movie that Ah. blew me away of, you know, identifying, you know, the whole quest to find the, the first 
astronauts and to tell that story and to sort of side you know along the side have you know the story of chuck yeager who's you know this this great pilot that chooses not to you know, go down that path and sort of see his story as, as well as those of you know alan shepherd and john glenn uh, an amazing cast so many recognizable faces that were just getting their start at the time to see you know like Dennis Quaid and Ed Harris and Fred Ward and this uh, Philip Kaufman tells an epic story, uh, just something that overwhelmed me as a kid of just a deep exploration of American history that I wasn't really that familiar with. And to be, as a kid, entertained with something that wasn't, you know, geared for kids, but to be really riveted by a true story of our, you know, an important era in our history uh, just really stuck with me. And I think it's just one of the, the great films that came out of the, the early 80s. Yeah, I, I think I, uh, you know, I don't remember it a whole lot. That's a movie that I'd love to go back and revisit because I know it's, it, it is special. It's one of those historical uh, movies that really can give you that sort of uh, nostalgia feel as well. Um, I, I think that's a perfect pick for this theme. Um, it, it's one that everybody should see as well. All right. Well, my next choice, uh, kind of a trend from uh, something I talked about uh, um, last week, I believe. It's um it's the it's the film that came immediately before it. It's the uh, wonderful film from 1979. It is the Muppet movie. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, the, you know we already had the Muppets uh, from the Muppet Show, but uh, what Jim Henson did here, along with uh, uh, his uh, Muppet team and director James Frawley, and uh, uh, you know and all the Muppets, of course, is create a, a kind of a fun. Uh, maybe true um, backstory to the Muppets as to how they all met. Um, it's it's kind of fun as as I think Kermit tells Robin at the beginning when Robin asks him, "Is this really how you guys all all met?" And Kermit's like, "Yeah, more or less, or something like that." It's like you know because they're they're watching a movie. The Muppets are watching the movie of their meeting, and right. you know, so it's, it's just it's very meta, and I love how that's something that um, uh, that uh, Jim Henson really kind of had a grasp on. Uh, long before it seemed like many other people did, just the kind of the the self-referential nature of it. But it's it's great because we start with with Kermit alone in the swamp singing uh, the Rainbow Connection, and then of course he, um, after meeting Dom DeLuise, uh, decides to go off to Hollywood to pursue a career in show business. And then, um, in in no short order, he meets Fozzie Bear at the El Slizo Cafe. He meets um, uh, Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem along with Scooter at uh, at uh, their place, their church where they're living. Um, Gonzo and Camilla. Uh, he meets Sweetums when they go to a used car lot. And, of course, Miss Piggy at a fair. And then Ralph at a, uh, at a piano bar. And eventually Dr. Bunsen, Honeydew, and Beaker in this ghost town. Just kind of bringing them all together. And then they all, you know, join Kermit as he goes off to uh, to Hollywood to... Uh, get a career in showbiz and it's it's such a fun movie and just watching all of these muppets kind of come together and latch on you know it's just a joy and i love that they do this they don't it's i, I think they they may do the uh the um play with the meta nature of the meetup a little better in the the uh the the film that came out oh i don't remember when it came out like in the last 10 years the the reboot called the muppets when um that all the Muppets have kind of separated and they they actually have this great 
line in that one where there's this robot that's with them and the robot says mr kermit may i suggest we save time and pick up the rest of the muppets using a montage (laughs) (laughs) was really funny as you then watch them kind of getting everybody but uh yeah that's my next one uh the muppet movie i it's such a classic it's so great it's a good things frogs could jump right have been gone with the schwinn that's still my favorite God with the Schwinn. Oh, weirdly, a lot of Harry Krishna jokes in that movie too. Uh, <laughs> I think it was a, definitely a thing of the time. Oh, it's just oh, that was a movie that blew my mind as a kid because of the the meta nature, the the running gags. You know, like that's a myth, a myth. Yes. <laughs> oh my, Carol Kane. Oh my God, just yes. It's it's a it's a it's a kids classic. It's a family classic. And it, you know, Andy, as you point out, you know, as, as an adult going back and revisit it and just seeing so many layers and levels to that uh yeah this was this was one that uh i'm so glad you 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 included because i had a feeling this was going to be on your list because you'd included the great <laughs> muppet caper and i thought andy's gonna take them up it would be i know he's gonna take them up movie. i mean i'll find something else because i I'm, I'm gonna let him have that because that's <laughs> I, I just enjoyed he- hearing you like your little thesis of Jim Henson and the Muppets. I mean, I'm, I'm expecting a little, you know, you know, essay from you about the, the finer arts of Muppet movies and meta storytelling. So, right. There's, I'll have to work on that. Super important though. I love it. I love it. So yes. wait, now we just do one more each, right? Yes. Yep. Okay, yep. great. This is your so last so one, no JJ. one's stolen any of mine. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I had thought about doing the commitment, Steve. So, um, yeah, so that's okay. glad. I'm good. I didn't do that, but I, uh, a completely different theme to this last one. Um, the one that I'm doing is the recent movie, 2013, uh, Ender's Game. Um, and Ender's Game is from a, a great book by Orson Scott Card. Uh, the Ender's Game being the first of a, I think, three or five book series. And uh, if you know Tommy Handsome the, from uh, the Film Board and our other TNR shows, uh, he that's his what he calls his uh, sick book. It's the book that he'll always go back and read when he gets sick. The movie is not a hundred percent representation of the book. Uh, I know a lot of people have not really enjoyed the things that they're missing from the book or switching from the book to the movie, uh, and it's very difficult to talk about this story without spoiling it. So I'm going to do my best to do that here because I don't think that's really our intent in what we do here. I think people should see this movie. The neat thing about uh, the team building aspect in it is that really these kids are brought together to uh, t- train to be teams to get out and save. I can't. I don't know if it's the planet or the universe. I can't remember that ex- exactly. But the the bulk of the movie is about the work that they do together to learn how to be a team and to get uh, out and and do this sort of uh, battle that they're going to have to do at some point. And uh, and it's done in really interesting ways. And uh, Ender is a very interesting character. There's lots of in- interesting characters in the movie. Uh, the the movie is most known, I think, for Harrison Ford being in it, even though it's not really about his character. Um, but again, it came out in 2013. If you haven't read the book, I definitely recommend the movie. Um, if you have read the book, you may want to suspend some of your hopes for it being 100% like the book, but it's still good to watch because it brings um, the Orson Scott card universe and books there to life, which I think is kind of special. I was a, a, I'm was a real fan of the book, uh, maybe not quite as much as, as uh, uh, Tommy is, but... I, I really uh, was captivated by it. And I was a little disappointed with the film. I But it's, it's I think it was going to be hard not to be disappointed. Like, uh, I, I felt like when I had read the book, I'm like, gosh, this is a really tricky story to totally. tell 
correctly in in the cinematic way and i i don't think they quite captured it but um but it was still was a very entertaining film and um and you're right i mean it had some interesting team building in it as they get these kids together yeah it's this is one of those uh I, I almost wish I had seen the movie first and then read the book because sure. I think yeah there there's there's tough choices to make when you have to condense material down and to to give it a to translate it for a, a visual uh, for visual media but it's I think it's an it's an enjoyable film I think yeah it suffers from not being able to live up to expectations set by the the novel but I think it is a, a really enjoyable film and yeah it's more than just Harrison Ford in this <laughs> in this movie uh, great kids and this movie make it uh, really really enjoyable and yeah I think one that uh, probably uh, it's been about five years yeah probably people have forgotten about and so if you didn't get a chance to see it and you haven't read the book, go watch the movie as a sort of like an appetizer for delving into the book. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Last pick. What is it? When I think about team building and I have to go back to sort of my, my roots growing up in the suburbs of Chicago. And so I'm going to have to go back to a classic from when I was growing up. Uh, I just watched this. Oh, gosh. Just a couple of months ago, I think. And it still just holds up. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark and we're wearing sunglasses. The Blues Brothers. <laughs> we got to get the band together. We're on a mission from God to save the orphanage. Uh, I wasn't sure how well this was going to hold up. It had been a long time since I've seen, again, another great musical uh, putting the band together. Dan Aykroyd and Carrie Fisher, John Belushi, uh, great cameos from Frank Oz, Steven Spielberg. There's, uh, it, it holds up so well. I was so afraid that this was one of those, oh, it was funny when I was a kid and it's just wacky and out there and ridiculous. But it, so many great moments in this film that I just loved it. And I'm just amazed at the sheer carnage, uh, the car pileups that John Landis was able to pull <laughs> off with. Just, I mean, mountains of wrecked police cars and you know this this is no this is no cg this is all practical effects of just let's just keep driving these police cars into this pile and and create a mountain of metal uh for me it's a it's a classic um and there's no better uh, you know story about putting the band together finding each one of them there's musical moments along the way you know aretha franklin ray charles such great music such great talent in this this is my like number one team building movie that's such a great one um i completely forgot about that one so uh, i'm glad that you had a chance to get it on on your list because it certainly deserves uh to be here i was amazed you you haven't done it on the show i i I had to check i was like they they must have talked about this they must have talked about this somewhere and you guys haven't so i thought great i get to put it on my list but now i have to like urge you guys find a reason to talk about this on the main show because i think it's it's a great one they can fit into a series somewhere and deserves it yeah we need to get back into like a you know great car chases series oh yeah and throw it in there so because it certainly warrants it well, for my final pick, I'm going with, uh, you know, I, I, a kind of, I guess you could say a mega classic. It's something that uh, I would say we all know and love quite well. Um, I think in recent uh, recent months, it's come, the, the, the franchise has certainly come under fire, but I'm going all the way back to 1977 with the original Star Wars. Um, 
you know, what a fantastic film that George Lucas created. Um, and it's just, I mean, whether you call it Star Wars or Episode Four, A New Hope or whatever, I mean, he, he created just a, a brilliant uh, a world and a lot of amazing characters and watching Luke uh, come together with Obi-Wan and then they, they hire Han Solo and Chewie to kind of help them and then they meet Princess Leia and just kind of getting this core group together that kind of took us through uh, through um, the the original trilogy, it was just a fantastic group that uh, that they created, and it's not quite you know nobody just says we got to get a team together, but I just love how they kind of go from place to place and kind of keep um, getting more people involved in their in their um, in their story. It's it's a wonderful way to to bring uh, everybody together. So that's my final pick it is uh, star wars good picks lots of diversity oh, other than having yeah. a theme for our first group i think <laughs> i think uh, all of us we we kind of spanned spanned the universe in what we did here yeah there were there were so many good choices out yeah. there and uh you know i i had so many others on my list that i wanted to like, like uh, that talk like about, deadpool but... 2 i thought for sure that was going to be on somebody's <laughs> yeah, list yeah, we didn't think about that. Totally should have. With, with peter <laughs> yes <laughs> And Brad Pitt, the Vanisher. Yes, oh, yes. Not Brad Pitt. Uh, yes. Uh, no, like Fast Five, The Italian Job, The Avengers, The Usual Suspects, Armageddon. Like there's so many, so many things to talk about. Right. Oh yeah. Yes. Good. Um, that and that means it's a good topic when there's a lot of meat there to dig into. Love it. It does. So uh, well, that's it for the Saturday matinee. Uh, thanks, guys, for joining this morning. Thank you. I'm gonna Appreciate go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, go to bed, man. Jeez. This nocturnal stuff for the birds. well for all you patreon supporters out there we really appreciate you thank you so much for uh, for kicking some uh, money in to support us and keep us doing what we're doing Um, we will get our list options up onto discord very soon for oceans 12 i gotta figure out what we're going to do for that one Um, but we'll get it up there so you guys can all start voting on what we're going to talk about on our list next week otherwise uh, have a great uh, rest of your weekend everybody see ya Ando. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Get started today.